ministers. Amen? They are a great couple doing a great job in the Dallas church. And I also want to thank uh, Colin Danielle Daniels, who um, just hosted us in a great way, taking us around uh, a whole new country from Boston. I mean, the whole... I go, wow, this is really different. <laughs> then, then you walk out and it's, it's 85 degrees. I go, this is really different. But it, it, it's been a stinking blast. It's been, I've had a great time. Had a great time with the teenagers yesterday. You know, can we give it up for the teenagers who stand for their faith alone in their high schools? Teenagers, come on. I believe that the teenagers in Dallas are going to do great things for God, not just in the future, but even in their teenage years. You know, and I want to thank the parents. I'm telling you, that was an engaged audience yesterday. You guys do a phenomenal job and keep it up and let's keep raising our kids, raising them in the Lord and going out and finding other families. Amen, parents. And um, I just want to tell one Texas story. Um... And it's, it's about a ceiling fan that saved my life. So my first visit to Texas is they asked me to speak at Camp Pettyjohn. Okay, yeah, yeah, many, many, many moons ago. Yeah, back in the 1930s, okay? So, so, they, so they asked me to speak, so, so I fly to Texas, and I've never been to Texas, okay? I grew up in Boston, never been to Texas. I get off the plane, and I go, oh! I can't breathe. It is July in Texas. And I go, where is my breath? I, and I'm going, oh my goodness, I've got to be here for a week. And then, um, so then that was Saturday. Then on Sunday, I went to church before we went to camp. And I think they played a sick joke on me. I had an air-conditioned auditorium, okay? And then I have to go outside to get on the bus to go to I come from the air-conditioned auditorium. And I go, I can't breathe. <laughs> What am I going to do? So then I get to camp, and I get in my cabin, and there's no air conditioning, as it would be in any, in any camp. I'm laying on my bed. I can't breathe. I go, what am I going to do? But I'm a clever Bostonian. There is a chapel at Camp John. It has a ceiling fan. For five days, I slept on the pew in the chapel. The kids are going, where's Phil, where's Phil? I'm a smart man. <laughs> I'm sleeping on a pew with a ceiling fan, and it's saving my life. But we had a great time. That's, that's my only Texas story. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Here we go. Uh, the title this morning is uh, The Kingdom, and I want to really jump right into my first point. And um, the title is Unshakable. I mean, I'm sorry. My first point is unshakable kingdom. Let me state the obvious. I have a Boston accent. <laughs> so don't worry if you don't understand me. Talk to Gordon. He'll translate for you what I said, okay? He knows me well. In Hebrews 12, first point, unshakable kingdom, Hebrews 12, verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, 
that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. When Jesus comes back, this earth will be done. Every inhabitant will be gone. What we see will be gone. What will remain is God's unshakable, eternal kingdom. So what does that mean? It means that we live in a broken place, don't we? You know, dating relationships happen, and then they break up. Just ask Taylor Swift. (laughs) Records are broken all the time, whether in sports, record-breaking temperatures, and fitting people into a Volkswagen. You know, friendships are refreshing, but then friends move. Or the person gets married and you become second wheel. Or they have kids and you become, they throw you into the junkyard because they have no time for you. It's a very shakable world. People are rich and then they go broke. Some people are rich and they don't go broke. They stay rich, but then they die. Very shakable place. Romans 3.23, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. All people are broken and need Jesus. Everyone out in this audience, we need Jesus. You're healthy, then you get sick, then you die. You're healthy, you die of natural causes, and you still die. (laughs) You know, it's amazing, in 1900, just think about this, try to grasp this. In 1900, there were 1.1 billion people living in the world. Not one of them is alive today. Right? There will be a preacher in the year 3015 saying in the year 2000, there were 7 billion people alive. And none of them are alive today. And that's us. That's us. We live in a very shakable place, but we have the hope of an eternal kingdom. The kingdom is unshakable. It's indestructible, and the kingdom will remain forever. I want to give you a taste of the kingdom. Look in Revelation chapter 22, 21, sorry. Are you with me this morning, Dallas? Come on, man. Let's bring it on. Here we go. Revelation 21, in verse 1. A taste of heaven, a taste of the kingdom. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the phone saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people in God himself will be with them, be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The unshakable kingdom 
the new heaven and the new earth. No more crying, no more mourning, no more death, and no more pain. Do I have an amen from Dallas? Is that an amazing kingdom? Everything broken is now unbroken. Everything temporary becomes eternal joy. You know, with all the sorrows in the world and our own sorrows, we can embrace the coming joy. A taste of the kingdom. In your saddest, most discouraging moments, you can still sip on the joy that you will be in heaven one day. Where everything sad now becomes untrue. Poverty, abuse, starvation, war, AIDS, depression, mental illness, emotional stress, and even death. Knowing the kingdom of heaven awaits and you're going to possess it, we can face anything. Not even fearing death. Polycarp, in the second century, was burned at the stake for his faith. He was told by his enemies, deny Christ and we will release you. Polycarp said, 86 years I have served Christ and Jesus has never done me wrong. How can I deny my king who saved me? They kept threatening him saying, deny Christ or you will burn at the stake. Polycarp said, you threatened fire which burns for an hour and soon quenched. For you fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment of the wicked. Polycarp was flat out unshakable. We need to be unshakable. And we will be when we know that we are receiving this eternal kingdom. You know, I believe God calls us, as I read, to, to worship him acceptably. Hebrews 10, verse 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us worship God acceptably. One way we need to worship God acceptably is to come into his kingdom. We must come into his kingdom. There's no neutrality. You are either in the kingdom of God or you're not in the kingdom of God. There is no middle ground. John 3, 3 says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the They are born again. I told the teenagers yesterday that everybody, the whole world is invited to the kingdom of God. But you're not entitled to it. You are not entitled to the kingdom of God. You must follow God's plan of salvation that is clearly laid out in the Bible. John 8, 31 says, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. There are no, there's no neutrality. You're either in the kingdom or you're not. You're either holding to Jesus' teachings or you're not. You know, I look back at my own life and, 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 and I really want to challenge all of us to come into the kingdom. You've got to let Jesus be king. And you've got to stop being king. You know, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. And the only way to the Father is through me. You are not the way. The way you want to live is not the way to God. The only way into the kingdom to God is through Jesus' teachings. You know, in my, when I was a young man, you know, I was going to church weekly. I was still get, drinking, getting drunk, uh, doing drugs at times, impure, uh, played a lot of basketball. Actually, that was my idol. 
I worshiped basketball. When I did well, I thought I was this person above other people. When I did poorly, I would get depressed. I mean, talking about an idol, what in the world? It's only a stupid game. It's only a stupid game compared to the kingdom of God, right? Just like the Patriots playing a Cowboys today. Only a stupid game. Isn't it really? Only a stupid game. I was worshiping the game of basketball. Galatians 5, 19, and living wrong, it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Drunkenness is in there. Those who live like this, who choose it at their lifestyle. You know, there's a high school in, back in Massachusetts called King Philip. I represented that high school the way I lived in high school. I was king. I was on a path of destruction. Would I listen to me and keep me king of give God my creator who knows best his proper place? I finally came to my right mind. I changed my lifestyle. I repented of my sin and I got baptized and I entered the kingdom of God. I want to ask us out there, are you in the kingdom? Are you in the kingdom of God? And I say to you, please, please, I beg you, I plead with you, don't rebel against God. God has the best way. God has the best way. You know, there was, there was a law that came out in New Hampshire that they, they had this new helmet law. And you, you have to wear a helmet. And for so long, there wasn't a helmet law. You could drive without a helmet. So this man, this is a true story. This man decides, oh, I'm going to protest that there's a helmet law. I'm going to go for a ride and I'm going to drive without a helmet. He never came back. He got in a crash and died of head injuries. That was for his protection. That was for help him. Hey, God's word is for our protection. Doing it God's way so we won't destroy ourselves. And so we would get into the kingdom of God. God has the best life for you. Don't rebel against God in his way and don't do it your way. Do I have an amen from the audience? Let's bring it on. Here we go. God knows better than us. God knows what is best for us and how to give us the best life. You know, now I live for God's kingdom. I've been a Christian for 33 years. I have no regret. Teenagers, I have no regret. 33 years, you will have no regret entering the kingdom of God. You know, since I became a Christian, my older brother, four months later, became a Christian. His oldest daughter became a Christian two years ago. So 33 years after sharing my faith with my brother, the sharing of the faith is still effective. To people who were unborn back then. Is that amazing? You know, I've been married. I'm going to be married 25 years to the most beautiful woman in the whole world. How in the world did this beast get that woman? I am a blessed man to have such a spiritual, phenomenal Extremely attractive woman. She's only 29, by the way. (laughs) 
I have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. Blessings in my life, a reward from God. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, right, parents? They're both Christians, amen. By the grace of God, amen, yeah. You know, I'm living a dream as a youth and family minister. I'm able to serve the younger generation. I help parents raising their kids in the faith, and they help me. (laughs) Um, I help teens get on a healthy road in their relationship with God. I've studied with scores upon scores upon scores of teenagers, and I've studied with over 100 teenagers, hundreds of teenagers through my life who have become Christians. There is no regret to me entering the kingdom. It is the best life on the face of the earth and you get the best reward that nothing can rival in this world hardships yes challenges yes persecution yes mistakes oh yes (laughs) by me thank you Jesus for forgiveness but the Christian life is the most rewarding life you could ever live Like I said, 33 years ago, I made my decision, and I have no regrets. You know, five weeks ago, we had a camp in New England. 450 teenagers were at that camp. 450 teenagers listening to the word of God be preached. And we talked about the kingdom of God. We talked about the kingdom of God, and from that camp, since camp, we've seen six teenagers become Christians, and 60, 60 teenagers in the Boston church are now studying the Bible, listening up to the kingdom of God. One teenager who's a sophomore in high school, Jarrett Martin, uh, he's a sophomore in high school, texted me on the way home from camp saying, Phil, I no longer want to be separated from God anymore. I want to study every day until I become a Christian. Three weeks ago, he became a Christian. Is doing phenomenal. A sophomore in high school because he heard the message about the kingdom of God. Teens, I want to say to you, listen to God. Listen to God. He has the best life for you. Yet Satan wants to destroy you. God will do great things for you. Not only in the future, but even today. I'll prove it to you. Leanne Vett, she today became a Christian as a teenager. Today is doing great things for God. How about Rich Rouser? Rich Rouser became a Christian as a junior in high school up in Boston. 15 years he has served the youth and family ministry. Because of his influence, again, with his influence, working with the young teens, they went on, hundreds of them became Christians. Because of Rich Rouse's influence. Will Garcia became a Christian as a teenager. And today is doing great things for God. Teenagers, listen to God. God has great plans for you. Once again, let's give it up for the teenagers and standing up for their faith. Yeah. You know, why did Jarrett... The other teens, myself, my wife, the thousands of teenagers and thousands of others become Christians because the kingdom of God is the best news and will remain the best news in the history of this whole earth. 
Which leads me to my second and last point. Are you doing okay? Okay, here we go. My second and last point is to proclaim the kingdom. You know, we know this. The temporary world is messed up, isn't it? You know, there are spiritual tragedies with how people live. You know, remember Galatians 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity. Those who live like this will not enter this great kingdom. The number of heterosexual couples living together, not married, has tripled over the last 30 years. That is a spiritual tragedy. That is a flat-out spiritual tragedy. How about that adultery website that was hacked? 32 million. 32 million people are on that website. Millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people cheating on their husbands of wives. Is that sick? That is sick. It is a spiritual tragedy. Physical tragedies, Oregon shootings, wars around the world, abuse. I could mention much more. What does this world need? This world needs the kingdom of God. That's what this world needs. We must proclaim it. Mark 1 in verse 14. Man, I saw a Texas Longhorn yesterday. Those things are really weird looking. (laughs) God has a sense of humor and going, wow. I'm not sure I've ever seen one of those live. I go, I'm not getting near that thing. Okay, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible teaches Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. You know, I love this. Listen to this one closely. You know what the word proclaim means? Dallas Church. You know what the word proclaim means? To make it known publicly and openly. We must make the kingdom known publicly and openly. There can't be any closet Christianity. Not for the seniors, not for the families, not for the campus students. None of us, no Chicken Christianity or closet Christianity? Do I have an amen? Amen. This is good news. The original Greek translates the news that brings joy. It's the kingdom of joy. No more crying, no more pain, no who wouldn't want that. You have unprecedented joyful news. You know, in news in the scripture doesn't talk about what you hear on the daily news, like there's a fire in the local Walmart, or, or there's a deflated football somewhere, <laughs> or Tony Romo broke his collarbone, oh, we're like, like we're supposed to cry about someone's collarbone. <laughs> what in the wide world of sports is going on in this world? That's not news. That's stupidity. 
The kingdom of God is news. It's history-making news. It's course-changing news. It changes the course of everything, of the whole earth. should change the course how all of us live, even this morning. And transforming us, even this morning. Will it transform you this morning? We must grasp the news, and we must go and share it. Publicly and openly, every one of us, teens, campus students, phenomenal events going on. We need to be inviting our friends, students, singles, marrieds, marrieds with kids, empty nesters, seniors, all of us collectively, me, you, and everyone in the kingdom. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom. Jesus says in Luke 4, verse 43, I must Proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. In other towns also, that's why I came. Jesus sends today's disciples out to go and make disciples. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. And then it goes on and says, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. We have nothing to fear because Jesus is with us. The eternal king is with us. You know, it's really you got to think about this. One Christian teen went on a Hope Youth Corps. She shared with me uh, a little bit while back. She went on college campuses to share her faith. She said, I shared with a Muslim, a Hindu, and others. What I learned in the past is I shared my faith and still just wanted to be accepted by others. I appreciate her honesty. She says, I did not... So then when I went out and shared publicly and openly, I learned... I don't care about being accepted anymore. I want them to have what I have. Do we we say an amen to that girl? That's the way we all should be. We've got to stop wanting acceptance and popularity. In Luke 6, verse 26, Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Woe to you when your neighborhood speaks well of you. Woe to you when the campuses speak well of you, when all your high school friends speak well of you. For that is how the ancestors treated the false prophets. We must want others to have this awesome kingdom, even when we're persecuted. We can't live to be popular with our neighbors, accepted by our workmates, and accepted by our school friends. We must live to proclaim openly and publicly, the kingdom of God, even if persecution comes. Listen to this. Matthew 5, verse 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Do we want God happy with us or people happy with us? I'm sorry, I want God. (laughs) I'm going to meet him someday. I want God happy with me. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This eternal, awesome, incredible, indestructible kingdom. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets. Let's be prophets in our schools, in our neighborhoods. You know, think about it. What if you found the cure for cancer? What if you found the cure for ALS? Man, we'd all be on CNN 
dude, I got it. Everyone know about it. I'm going to cure them from their pain, from a suffering death. Man, we'd be all over the place. We'd proclaim it from the mountaintops. How much more the kingdom of God. We got the cure for what everyone is stinking afraid of. No one will be afraid of getting cancer anymore. Let's go out and publicly and openly make this known. It is the greatest news on the face of the earth. Oh, my goodness. Oh. You know, three months ago, I got to see my old college basketball team. Yep, five, eight, and three quarters, and I played college basketball. Yeah, yeah and you're doubting me, huh? Go back in the 1933 yearbooks, and you'll see me, okay? I'm there. I've got my short shorts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. They are ugly. Oh my God, actually, don't go back and look at that picture. I go, what in the world, man? What were they thinking? What fashion design? What were they? Okay, I'm off track. Gosh. But you know what? I went back, back to my old college reunion, saw some of my players. I invited, playing college basketball, I invited every one of my college teammates to Bible talking and the coaches. I've studied the Bible with 10 of my college teammates when I was in college. Every one of them knew about it. We went to Framing, I, when I went to Framingham State, we exhausted the whole campus and shared our faith with everyone. Now, it wasn't, a, it was 4,000 people. It's not like University of Texas, sorry, okay? We, I went to a state school. I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. One of the cheerleaders, the, the, the cheer, one of the cheerleaders on the team shared my faith with, and she's still a Christian today. We've got to tell people we know. Teenagers, we've got to tell people in our high schools about the kingdom. College students, you've got to tell people you know. In our neighborhoods, right, we've got to tell people we know about the kingdom. We've got to give people a chance for this great, incredible kingdom. You know, we've got to sh- share with people we don't know. You know, it was really amazing. Uh, this was like four, uh, about a month ago. We had what we called spiritual game day with the teenagers. All the men disciples. It was about raising up men to be great leaders. These teenagers, for two hours, the, the staff of the youth and family and the teenagers, we went out in the town of Framingham and Natick and just shared with strangers. Here is this young generation wanting to set an example of evangelizing people. We shared with over 150 people. It was an amazing day, making known publicly and openly the kingdom. You know, when we share our faith, some people will become Christians, won't they? You know, Will Lambert's a campus minister at the University of Connecticut. The starting wide receiver of, of the... Um, uh, of New Haven, Connecticut, University of New Haven, Connecticut. He came to the Bible talk. He studied the Bible, became a Christian. That wide receiver shared his faith with the quarterback. The quarterback studied the Bible, and about three weeks ago, he became a Christian. We even got to share with people who intimidate us because they don't intimidate God. You know, there are eight high schools. Carl told me, within about 20 minutes of each other in Dallas with 2,000 students in each one. And I want to encourage, inspire, because I believe in the teenagers. 
I believe in the younger generation. And they will do great things. God will do great things for them. I want to inspire you, teenagers, to some of you men, step up and do teen-led Bible talks in your high school. What an amazing example that they would be. I want to inspire you to go share your faith in your school and make it known publicly and openly. And what most likely will happen by next year at this time, some of those kids, some of those 16,000 kids will be sitting in this auditorium as disciples. Come on, teenagers, let's get that vision and let's make that happen. We got to proclaim it. We got to make it openly. We got to proclaim it openly. Campus students, same thing. Adults, let's set the pace for the teenagers. Come on, man. God hasn't stuck a fork in us and we're finished. No way, man. uh, No, I won't. I was going to say something. No, I won't say that. Okay. You know, but, but really, with our, with our workmates, we really have nothing to be afraid of. I told the teenagers I brought their schoolmates with me to the, to the speech. So I'm going to do it with the adults. Is that okay, teens? Can I use this? Okay, I brought your workmates with you. I brought your neighbors. I'm going to bring you. I got them here at the, with the audience. And I want to show you that you have nothing to be afraid of. And all you have to do is to be bold. You're doubting me. You're looking at me like I'm from Boston. I'm, I'm from another country. I've got your neighbors here. I've got your workmates here. You know, 1 Peter chapter 1. It, oh, I'm sorry. They're in my wallet. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24, says all men are like grass. All men are like grass. All, but the word of God and the kingdom of God will stand forever. Isaiah says that all we do is wither. And like all mortals, they're like grass. God blows on them. And they wither. What are we afraid of? Let's go out and proclaim it. Are we afraid of our lawn? Do we go out and go, ah, it's the lawn. Ah, Halloween came early. No, there's nothing to be afraid of. Let's go out. Let's share our faith. God, God doesn't fear them. God will be with us. Let's go proclaim it openly in our campuses. Guys, go for it. In our neighborhoods, with our workmates, let's go for it. Man, if you want to, you know, if so, for some of the more timid, I'll leave some grass up here. No, seriously, I mean this. I mean, we're all timid at times, aren't we? We're all timid at times, aren't we? Jesus, God, Jesus told Paul, don't be afraid, don't be silent, I'm with you. Why do you think Jesus told Paul that? Because he was afraid. I'm afraid at times. So what we can do is tape grass to our schedule. It said, every person that I pass by, this is all he is to God. Oh my goodness. I have nothing to be afraid of. God blows on him and he withers. I've got nothing to be afraid of. Guys, let's be the Dallas region that sets the pace to publicly and openly let the kingdom of God be known. Do I have an amen to that? It's the best news. It'll remain the best news in the history of the earth. I want to say one last thing, and then the plane is going to land. Let's make a decision, all of us. I remember when I was passing by my church building, and I was going in my church building, and these two men that were pretty intimidating looking were walking by me. And I'm ready to turn into the church building. 
I go, what in the world is going on? Let me overcome my fear. Let me not judge these two guys. And let me share my faith with them. Because judging them is wrong. So I shared my faith with them. And one of them was super interested, engaged me in speaking, engaged me in talking. He says, don't be surprised if you see me in church one day. I would like us all to make a decision to judge no one when we share our faith. That you tell them about the kingdom and you let them decide whether they want the kingdom or not. Don't look at someone and say they're not open and not share your faith with them. Rather, share your faith with them and let them decide whether they're open or not. Isn't that a great concept? If we can think about that and pray about that, I believe it will make us more bold. Let's proclaim the good news publicly and openly. Some people will respond. David Martin is a young man in Boston, and he, um, he used to share his faith at Newton, Newton North High School. Boy, I thought that was a big old high school. Man, Byron Nelson High School, what is that, a cathedral? Oh my goodness, that thing is huge. I got, you guys have way too much money down here, <laughs> that at least the city of Dallas does. But he was sharing his faith at Newton North High School all the time. And the star soccer player, Stanley Elves, came out to Bible talk. And two years ago, he became a Christian. And, and today, he's in the campus ministry, sharing his faith all the time, bringing friends. I'm telling you, if you share your faith publicly and openly, some will respond. In conclusion... The kingdom is the greatest news and will remain the greatest news in the history of the earth. Matthew 24 and verse 14. Matthew 24 and verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. What end will come? The end of all physical and emotional pain, the end of illness, the end of starvation, the end of disease, the end of human tragedy, the end of spiritual tragedy, the end of crying, no more sadness, loss, insecurity, no more fear, no more mourning, because there will be no more death. Isn't that amazing? We all hurt when our loved ones die. There'll be no more mourning in the kingdom of God. And for eternity have supreme happiness, supreme contentment, and supreme joy. Who would not want that? Let's be urgent about getting into the kingdom if we're not in the kingdom, because we're not promised tomorrow, right? Let's share openly and publicly to our neighbors, workmates, school friends, campus friends, and even strangers about the greatest news in the history of earth, the kingdom of God. Thank you, Dallas.